0: And welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And joining us today is missionary Eric Quinlan. Eric, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, uh, Kevin. Uh, it's a one, uh, wonderful to be here with you and to, uh, to share what we do here as missionaries.
0: And so you're joining us from the Dominican Republic.
1: Yes, that is correct. So you're not
0: here. Uh, we had... Um, Let's see, some other guys you'd know that we've had on the podcast from various locations around the world. Uh, you know Joe Marshall out in Australia? Of course. I think you He's actually did some, uh, you did some preaching for him uh, via Zoom, I think, if I remember correctly.
1: No, I was able to do some preaching via Zoom for Brother. Um, oh, Dennis. yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frank Denise. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah, Frank and Peter out there. And yes, other names we know out in the Philippines. So, um, yeah, they've been on the podcast, and so uh, all connected to our time back at New England Baptist Church. Um, well, in Brockton, then later West Bridgewater. Um, yes, but I mean it's barely over the, the line in West Bridgewater, um, <laughs> but it'll it'll always be Brockton in my mind when I think about it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I, I. From what now you're and I want to remind everybody listening that you're older than I am. Um we need to establish okay. that right away because I like to think of myself as young. Um All right. I can't say that when Frank was on the podcast though. Um no. but <laughs> um
1: from well, I graduated from NEBA in nineteen eighty eight.
0: Nineteen eighty eight, yeah. See, I graduated in ninety six.
1: Okay, so yeah, I'm older than you
0: are. <laughs> so Now, it doesn't look like it, to be honest. I think I look older than you. Um, that's why I wanted to remind everybody that uh, you are older, just a step. A step. But I remember um, my earliest memory of you, I remember you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm, maybe I'm old enough to where I'm not remembering stuff correctly, but you were pretty involved in our bus ministry there. At, at-
1: Absolutely. I actually started as a bus kid. Okay. I started coming to to New England Baptist as a bus kid. And so as a child, I was picked up with my brothers and my sisters, and we were brought to church on the bus. Later, as a teenager, um, having a heart for the Lord, I went from being a bus kid to serving the Lord in the bus ministry and reaching out to others. Um, I don't remember um, – if you, if you know the, the name of a um, gentleman in the church, his name was Don. I'm forgetting his last name. Um, but he was like my mentor. So th- this gentleman, Don, he was also, uh, he would do visitation on Saturdays to yeah. kids involved in the bus ministry. And so as a teenager, I would go with him, and we would go on visitations. We'd visit each of the houses that the bus was going to pick up the next day. And so I kind of... Uh, Learn uh, evangelism, and uh, you know just the heart to reach out to other people through him uh, and his love for the Lord. Mm. But uh, he 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 had suffered a stroke, and he walked with a limp. But he was very very faithful to the Lord, and he loved the Lord, and he served the Lord to the best of his capacity there at New England when I was young, yeah. and he was a good example to me, uh, and so. Uh, that's why I mentioned it. But I, I kinda got my start with him, then with George Warren. Oh George uh, Warren, yeah. And and uh in uh Pastor Joe capola as my youth yeah. pastor, brother uh James Wilkes kind of as my, yeah. my 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 high school teacher and the assistant pastor of the church at the time. You know, these are all people that I look up to that kind of uh you know taught me and, and kind of led me along when I was young and you know, I praise the Lord for all of them.
0: Right. Pastor Wilkes has been on, on the podcast talking about some of his books and his writing career now that he's retired. Um, I still, you mentioned him as a teacher, and I, I'm still bitter because uh, I had him as a teacher as well. And mm-hmm. um, I got, <laughs> so uh, he, he was my math teacher, and I did horribly at math, horrible. Except mm-hmm. the, the last exam, the very last exam, my senior year, I got an A. And I never forgot that moment. It was like the most thrilling moment of my life at that point. And he had given me the paper, I walked back to looked I at, I, I can't believe this. And I walked up, I, I got out of my seat, walked back up to the, the front where he was at. I said, Look, I, I can't believe I got an A. And he grabbed it from me and said, Oh. And he marked one wrong that he missed. And I just, I said, How could you do that? He said, I can look again. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> good. Back away. But, I don't know. but, um, yeah. So my, my earliest memory of you was, I, I, I seem to remember you walking down the hallway, um, in the basement of a church where my Sunday school class was, and you were collecting kids for the bus. I think I remember you ringing a bell or something. Um, possibly off, yeah. down the hallway. But it, anyway. So, um, so let's talk about that. So, Anyone who, by the way, who wants to write off the bus ministry um, can look at people like you and uh, Joe Marshall as well, mm-hmm. um, yeah. faithful missionary serving the Lord, and that story can be told over and over and over again. Um, that yeah, God, the, God the, the bus
1: ministry definitely has its positives and negatives, yeah. but um, if you look at the fruit of what the bus ministry had produced, I mean... Through the work, I mean, even if you only have, for example, of the hundreds of children that were picked up, two or three who are, you know, fervent and faithful and, and in our case, pastors and missionaries.
0: Yeah.
1: Isn't that worth it? You know, I mean, I think so. I think so. I think it's worth it. As well as the hundreds of others in which your lives that you were able to touch with the word of God. Right. I mean, just a so ma- definitely think in its time, the bus ministry was an awesome form of outreach, right. and and was definitely worth every effort that was put into it. And
0: I think even at the time, you know, back in the '80s or '90s when it was bigger than it was today, um, it, it faced its criticisms there. And like you said, it's got negatives as well. But you know, anytime you're bringing kids in to hear the gospel, uh, I, I, I I I don't want to criticize that. You know, I'm sure there are things that we can refine and, and do better. But if you're bringing in kids who, other, who otherwise would not hear the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, how, how? why would I want to be against that?
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, if we're, if we're trying to do what we're supposed to do as believers, and that is to fulfill the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them the words of Christ encouraging them in those words, edifying them, helping them mature so that they later can then become the teachers who do the same. Yeah. Um, If we're doing that, how can we balk at any form of outreach? Right. You know.
0: You know, it was D.L. Moody who said, you know, when he was being criticized about some of his evangelistic efforts, he said, well, I like my way of doing evangelism better than your way of not doing it. So... (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I like that.
0: So, Eric, to walk us through what happened next. So you graduated in eighty eight. So talk us uh-huh. and, and you're you're a missionary now, fill in the gap here. What how did how did God lead you to the mission field?
1: Okay. Well, to be completely honest, having grown up in the church, having you know gotten at least my secondary education in uh, the private school, the New England Baptist Academy. And knowing very well both Brother Coppola, Pastor Wilkes, and Brother um, uh, George Warren, I mean, I used to babysit their kids. Mm. I I mean, I was in their homes. I saw a little bit of what you would say is behind the scenes in the lives of a pastor. And as a young person, I felt that the Lord had given me the ability to or the gift of teaching. Yeah but I very strongly resisted wanting to ever become either a missionary or a pastor. It's like, I don't want that, because I saw what that required. Yeah. I was really very happy working my secular job, advancing in my career. I was basically living what people would consider as the American dream, and my life was progressing well. Um, but like anything, the steps of a uh, of a godly man are ordered by the Lord. Yeah. The Lord had a different plan for me than my plan, and you know, um, I I can't tell you the exact dates of when many of these things happened. Sure. I was again, I was like you, I wasn't so good in math and history, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to you know remembering specific numbers or equations or things like that, and so. Outside of the very popular dates and things, I don't remember them well. Yeah. But at some point in my young adult life, um, a lady came from Dominican Republic, uh, and she was going to give birth to uh it would have been their um, fourth child. Uh, her name was Suni, but the baby was going to be born with a serious heart defect, And so she was then beg- flighted to... Uh, Boston Children's Hospital to give birth, and the baby was going to need heart surgery within minutes of being born uh so that there would be a chance that the baby would survive and the only one in the church at that time who spoke Spanish was Doug Wilcox
0: oh yeah doug yeah,
1: okay, and Doug and I i mean at that time we were really close friends and and we we did just about everything together um and so the first visit, Doug and Pastor Wilkes went to the hospital to visit with her, but then after that, um, many of the times it was me and Doug and Michelle, and we would go into Boston and we would visit with her and minister with her, <clears throat> and on the final visit before she went back to the Dominican Republic, she looked at Doug and was like, well, I see you have a girl, um, but what's up with this Eric guy? <laughs> And, you know, at the time, you know, in our area of New England, there was really this imbalance of, you know, eligible bachelors to eligible bachelorettes. And, you know, my prospects were pretty on the low side. And you know, I was kind of focused on the Lord and trusting that the Lord would bring the right person at the right time. And she's like, do you mind if I take your picture? And so... Oh, she, she, no, do you mind if I send you a picture. And I was like, fine, go ahead. And she went back to the Dominican Republic and she took a picture of the person who is now my wife, Juana, mm. and sent it to me. And it was actually a picture of, it was kindergarten graduation because my <laughs> wife was the kindergarten teacher at the Christian okay. school. there, And so she was in her school, like in her school uniform, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And she sent it to me. With a note that said, "It'd be a nice idea if you write to this woman. She's a good Christian girl, and she's single." <laughs> yeah. And so we started correspondence. I sent a picture to her of me, and I mean, I, I want you to picture this, okay? In a room with dark wood paneling behind me, with a maroon suit. <laughs> okay, my wife said she got the picture and she looked at it, looked at it, and said, "Who is this, Milk?" <laughs> All white in the picture. It was incredible. And so, um, but we started like a pen pal relationship. So that she was still on. willing to
0: go through with this even after seeing you.
1: Yes. Yes. Wow. Uh, That's how you know it's uh, a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, she brought the picture to the pastor, and the pastor's like, Well, just remember, long distance relationships don't really work well, okay. so just keep it a friendship. She showed it to her father, and her father's like, yeah, he looks good. (laughs) He looks like a decent person. Go ahead. You can start a pen pal relationship with him. And so we started this pen pal relationship until about a year later, uh, she flew to New York to visit with her brother who lived there at the time. And I drove from Brockton, Massachusetts to Queens, New York, Hmm. about six hour drive, um, to visit with her for, for the one day. And, uh, She was there with her mom. And so even though I intended to spend the day with her, I actually ended up spending the day with her mom. (laughs) Her mom grabbed my arm and kind of talked my ear off the entire time. And I didn't understand a word she said Mm because it was all in Spanish. And I'm kind of like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just kind of the smile and so on. And, you know, with time, I did learn some Spanish. But uh, at that time, I was clueless. And, you know, really... To be honest, at that point, it was, for me, love at first sight. And so I knew that the Lord was wanting something more serious, and the relationship there started to change. Um, I went down to visit her several more times. She came to the United States to visit me several more times until finally in um, 1994, I proposed to her, the Christmas of 1994, and we chose to wait one more year, you know, just to be sure this is God's will. Yeah. Um, before we married, b- December of nineteen ninety-five. Mm. So glad that's really why that that connection that's to Dominican Republic. Okay. So
0: now that you're 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 in the Dominican Republic, um, you've got a fascinating ministry there because you're not just a pastor or a missionary, but you've got a a incredible ministry to the deaf there. Tell us how, how it started.
1: Well, again, I kind of have to go back to the family yeah. story a little bit. Because after marriage, my wife and I, we owned a house and lived there in Brockton, Massachusetts, and served in New England. Yeah. And when my oldest son, John, was about two, uh, he was diagnosed with conductive yeah, Caused by a series of very serious ear infections. And so God, speaking to my heart, said, you know, what are you going to do if your son is deaf? How are you going to minister to him? How are you going to share the gospel with him? And it just so happened, you know, uh, I love the way the Lord's happenstances yeah. work that New England Baptist Theological Institute offered for their first and last time in history sign language classes yes. with a brother of the church. His name was Jim, and he was deaf, and he was part of the deaf ministry at the time. Right. And so I took the classes, um, and I became um, the Sunday school teacher for the deaf shortly thereafter. But when we came back to the Dominican Republic, I was talking to the pastor here about the deaf ministry and working with the deaf and seeing deaf saved and so on and so forth. And the pastor basically looked at me and said, I've never seen that before. Hmm. Like, how is that possible? And, you know, if this was just anybody, I would have said, okay. But this pastor, he was the, I guess you could say, the president of the Baptist Fellowship of the Southern Region of Dominican Republic. And okay. so he had connections with many other churches, right? and he had never seen that before. And so that to me, the Holy Spirit, like with a, an arrow, just pooped into yeah. my heart. is like, how is that possible? And so Juan and I started our own investigation, and we found it to be very true that there was little to no outreach Hmm. to the Deaf at all here in the Dominican Republic, and we surrendered our lives to become missionaries. And um, after training at Harvest Deaf Bible College, we moved here and established our uh, first work in 2008.
0: Hmm.
1: And so uh, this is a church specifically targeted and designed for the Deaf.
0: Okay. So what was how 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 did that get off the ground um you know what was was there a, a great response from the people that there was actually a ministry to uh not just people in general but to the deaf
1: um at first um as I explained before, we had started the deaf ministry there yeah. at Iglesia de Convertidos de Cristo. So those were the members of the deaf ministry. Yeah. they were the That ministry was established with the target that we would come back, after I finished my theological training, to start a deaf church. Right. And so the pastor there, he was very supportive. And he actually gave us the space that we needed for our church to meet, provided an office for me to be able to go and study and do work out of. And basically, I had access to the resources of the church as a whole um, to be able to conduct that ministry. And so overall, it was very well supported, very encouraged. And, um, you know, like any ministry, it started very, very small, and it's been growing each year since. Yeah. Uh, now we have um, a regular attendance of about 30, 35 and the, the, the room that we have can hold up to 50, and we've seen it full wow. from time to time, um, uh, as well as when we do like revival meetings and things like that, we actually fill the larger auditorium. Our last revival meeting was when uh, Harvest Deaf Ministries was here just recently, and we had over 200.
0: Wow. So how did, how did I'm, I'm curious, um, <laughs> when COVID hit, how did that affect your ministry?
1: Um I would say it affected my ministry pretty much like it affected everybody's. Um we we had to of course close for a short period of time, um, because that was mandated by the government. Everything, you know, businesses, yeah. schools, churches, everything closed. But um, you know, again, just like in the United States, the prohibition to worship is constitutionally protected. You know, I mean we, we have a right to right. unite and to worship God. And so um the church only stayed closed for a few months. It wasn't for a super long period of time, but when it was allowed to be open, they had the list of regulations that needed to be followed uh, for things to open up. Um, because we needed the same building as a much larger church, um, what we chose to do was for the uh, about two years of the serious part of COVID, we changed our church service to meet on Saturdays. Okay. And so we became a seven-day Baptist <laughs> for a period of time, but not because of conviction, more because of you know necessity. Yeah. Because then our church was allowed to meet when the building was virtually empty. Right. As opposed to trying to meet at the same time another larger church with a very large group of people was trying to meet. And so that helped them and us within the regulations to keep the large, the size of the congregation down versus the size of the building. Yeah. And so that was the major change. was instead of meeting on Sunday mornings, we met on Saturday mornings for the time during COVID. And our midweek service, I worked on, filmed, edited, and published a video for every Wednesday. And published it through Facebook and YouTube mm. and kept the church uh, being taught by the word of God that way until the point where Zoom became, you know, yeah, efficient enough that I could start using Zoom as a medium for actually conducting uh, uh, like a virtual church service. Right. And actually, we still do that to this day. Mm. Every Wednesday night at 7, we still meet by Zoom for church because... Um, because of work schedules and distance of some of the people who meet with us. Uh, we actually have deaf who are uniting with us with the Lord on Wednesdays that don't even live in the capital city. They yeah. live in other cities outside of the capital. And so for them to be able to come to the church uh, physically would be very prohibitive for them. And we're actually excited that the Lord has used technology to be able to outreach in that way. So at the early part of uh, at the beginning of this year, we we actually changed back to having our church service on Sunday mornings, and everybody, of course, was very very excited about yeah. that uh, to have things back to normal, so to speak. And so um, that's been exciting, and and uh, the church has been growing and continuing since.
0: So you also do a lot of work in translation, is is what, I, what I'm reading. Talk talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Well, a lot. No, but I have done some. Okay. Uh, one book in particular, uh, the name of it is uh, Family Beneath the Cross, written by Pastor Jose Mayen. Very, very good book. I would highly recommend it uh, for the relationship of the family, husband, wife, children. Uh, he's got one whole chapter where he talks about the difficult child, <laughs> you know, because uh, I mean, I'm sure just about every family has at least one. Right. That one of the children in the family proved to be the the, the, the difficult child to to kind of deal with, the strong-willed child. Um, but uh, you know, very very good book, and I was able to work with a couple other translators, and I was actually the final editor okay. uh, to 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 that work, and and look through what they had translated, taking the Spanish to English, and making the final touches to try my best to make it in uh, colloquial American English Hmm. so that it it could be uh, used for um, publication in the United States. Awesome.
0: So as as we're wrapping up here, um, we usually in each program, I ask our guests if there, I mean, you mentioned one book already. Um, Uh Are are there any other books that you would recommend uh, for for people to read to dig a little deeper into some things?
1: Well, my, my main ministry, of course, is with the deaf, yeah. And because of that, my heart is for people to be able to reach out to the deaf. Um, one thing that lacks both here and in the United States is churches uh, and believers that have that ability to actually yeah. go to the deaf and reach out to the deaf. And so one, my, my main encouragement would be that people would learn sign language. Yeah. Uh, one very good book is um, a book uh, that I'm using currently. The name of it is uh, "Don't Say, Don't Just Say, or Don't Just Sign Communicate." Mm. So, uh, in the, uh, the title of the book, and I'm looking for the specific publication information here uh, about this book. Here we go. Don't, sign, don't Just Sign Communicate, A Student's Guide to Mastering American Sign Language Grammar by Michael J. That would be one very good book. Uh, and that one's really at a, even though it's kind of a technical book, it's more at a, a, a layman's level, okay. the way it's written. Another one is called Master ASL, and that's a book which is uh, also accompanied by uh, classes that are online that a person could take. As oh. well as ASL University with uh, Dr. Bill Bill Pickers, which is a free resource where he has many, many, many materials, videos, and things. He has a whole channel on YouTube mm. where he actually has, publishes his college classes, uh, and a oh. person can basically take a college level class mm. right from their home. Um, and really, the resources that we have, your average believer has no excuse. Yeah. For not if they if they have a heart to reach out to the deaf to find the resources they need and even from their home study and be able to learn to communicate with the deaf. There there are many many deaf in every community that you can go to, and as um, a good friend missionary evangelist of mine uh, Ted Kemp would say, uh, just because they've lost their hearing, must they also lose their soul? Yeah, and That's you funny. know. We we as believers are called to go into all the world and all the world includes our deaf neighbors and, and people in our community. And so I encourage uh, just about anyone who could hear my voice, learn sign language, even if it's just to the level where you can communicate the gospel, yeah. learn it. Um, and, and the Lord will bring the people that you need to reach. Uh, that's his job. And so you do your part. Get the education you need, God will do his part. And when the day comes, share the gospel because the deaf need to hear about Jesus just like everybody else.
0: The field is already ripened to harvest.
1: Amen. Well, thank um you. if right. you don't mind me sharing a testimony. Oh, go ahead. Um, before we go, talking about the idea of the field ripe unto harvest. Uh, I, I wrote about this in my most recent prayer letter, which is going to be going out soon. Um, harvest uh, deaf Ministries and Harvest Doctors Church for the Deaf we was just here recently for um, one-week missions team. And during that time, we were able to visit six of the schools for the Deaf here in the southern region of the Dominican Republic, uh, with varying numbers of students in each school. But we ministered to the children from preschool all the way up through high school in each one of these schools. Uh, ministered to over 500 children altogether. All and talking about the field ripe unto harvest, all of them completely attentive to everything that was going on, the teaching of the Word of God, no behavioral issues, no problems, no, swear, nothing, just complete attention, and just absorbing everything that was said. And then when everything was said and done, we had 140 professions of faith. Mm. Praise the Lord. The field is ripe unto harvest the deaf people are hungry for the word of God.
0: All right. So we'll end on that note, Eric, thank you so much for joining us and I'll make sure we have the links to these resources we just mentioned up in our show notes. And so you can find that all at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and check us out on Facebook, join the Facebook group and then on Twitter and Instagram at basic, uh, at, <laughs> at basic Bible on Twitter and uh, Instagram. So until next week, have a good rest of your week.